Hi, welcome to True Creeps, where the stories are true and the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore to the possibly plausible paranormal, to horrifying history, to tense and terrible true crime, and everything else that goes bump in the night. We're your hosts, Amanda, and I'm Lindsay, and we want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello. Today, we're going to talk about the murders and alleged murders by Nanny Doss. And she has been dubbed terrifyingly as the giggling granny. I fucking hate it. I had not heard of her before. And I, yeah, I hate that description. As soon as I heard the moniker, I was like, well, we're covering her because I need to know everything. Yeah. Yeah. She's also been called giggling nanny, jolly black widow, lonely hearts killer, lady bluebeard, and self-made widow. And she looks so innocent, right? She does. She does. So before we get into the research, I just want to point out, we looked at a great many sources and there are some inconsistencies throughout them. So sometimes they'll spell her last name differently. I think it's Hazel either way. It's just is the E before the L or vice versa. As we discuss different parts of the case, if sources conflict, we'll talk about that too. Yeah. And that's pretty common with some of the older cases that we've covered in the past too. It's just, it's hard to get exact information online because it happened before online, right? Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of this being a while ago, we call her Nanny Dawes because that was the last name she had when she was arrested. But she was born Nancy Hazel in Blue Mountain, Alabama in 1905. And her parents, Jim and Louise Hazel, had a farm. Nanny had four siblings and her father was abusive and her mom didn't intervene. There are some sources that suggest that Jim wasn't Nanny's biological father. And most sources say that her mother was described as very warm and kind. When Nanny was just seven, she sustained a head injury when she accidentally slammed her head into a metal bar on the train. And then for years after that accident, she suffered from headaches, blackouts, and depression. Nanny and her sisters weren't really allowed to play with other children, wear makeup or fancy clothes, or to attend school regularly. And that resulted in Nanny having about a sixth grade education. When she was in her teens, she started daydreaming and reading romance magazines. Some sources say that Nanny was sexually assaulted more than once by men in the town, and that when she told her father, he didn't believe her. That's really sad. Which is incredibly sad, yeah. So let's move to her first marriage. Nanny married her first husband, Charlie Braggs, when she was 16, and they worked at the Linen Thread Company together. She married Charlie after only knowing him for just four months. That feels like a, a really short period of time to know someone before marrying them, especially at 16. Yeah, but I mean, like, back then, it was pretty quick, right? Yeah, that's fair. So from 1921 to 1927, the two of them had four daughters together. It's a lot of daughters. Yeah. The family lived with Charlie's mother, who unfortunately was also abusive. Apparently, their relationship began to sour because his mother was very clingy and Charlie was her only child. I feel like that could be the old timey I Love a Mama's Boy show. It's the stupidest show ever made, but I can't stop watching. I don't think I've seen it. Boy, are you in for a treat. (laughs) It's like a show that you never really have to pay full attention to. And that's like my type of show when I'm trying to like cook or do something. And that could be on in the background and I can pause for five minutes, watch a little bit of nonsense and then continue on my day and not feel like I have to like rewind. Okay. Okay. I feel like I don't... (laughs) 
like any reality television that I watch, I'm going to watch with them. And we don't have enough time to watch everything we want to watch. So I'm like, I can add no more reality TV to this list. <laughs> uh, it's more of I'll turn it on while I'm like doing dishes and Michael tell me how stupid it is. But then he'll stand there for 10 minutes watching it to tell me how stupid it still is. So do we watch it together? No, but we kind of do. When I started watching The Bachelor, Ben was like, what's this? This is dumb. What are they doing? And then within 15 minutes, he was like, into it. And now we watch it together. But then we, the last season where it was a do, we were like, we don't like him and just stop watching. That's fair. I've never actually gotten into that. I like Trash TLC. It's a wild fucking time. Trash TLC is my jam. I mean, that's very fair. That's very fair. It's it's bad. It's bad. So going back to our story, in 1927, two of the daughters, so remember they had four, who had been healthy, suddenly died after eating a breakfast that Nanny prepared. The deaths were attributed to food poisoning, and the two daughters that passed were Gertrude and Zelmer. So much with that. That's sad. That's really sad. And then also, I love their names. Oh, yeah. All of the names of the children that they had were pretty fucking great. So after their deaths, some sources say that someone anonymously warned Charlie to not eat any food that Nanny prepared. I think that if two healthy humans died after eating something someone prepared, I would be hesitant to eat something that that person made. When two people die in the same manner, it's odd. It's definitely stranger when they're children. Yeah. One person is bizarre, but they could have had an illness that you didn't know about. There could have been some type of like issue in their body. But both of them. Yeah, but them both dying at the same time. No. No. And you know what else is sad is thinking about that their deaths were just attributed to food poisoning. And just like that was a thing that people could die from. You know, that's weird. That's sad. Food poisoning is deadly. Years ago, when I managed a coffee shop, I was food safe certified. And I had to take a class that ruined eating at other restaurants because <laughs> yeah. they talked about like what types of things are dangerous. And it's like things like a little girl died after eating watermelon on a buffet because it hadn't been properly refrigerated. Yeah, the temperatures. And it never even occurred to me. Exactly. Sliced tomatoes can be dangerous. I wasn't thinking vegetables. No, veggies are like, I think the most common for food poisoning. Yeah, I mean, now I know that, but like this was, oh my gosh, <laughs> like 2010 ish. Forever ago. When I did this, there wasn't a like listeria outbreak about lettuce every other week. Oh, yeah, yeah. You eat fried, terrible food, you're going to be fine. You try to be healthy, you're going to die. But no, what I more meant was like now we have a lot to combat it versus then. You can have anti nausea medicine, you can have an IV, you can have. Gatorade, fucking liquid IV now, you know, like there's so much stuff you could do to prevent that. Where then, you know, when we did our um, strange doctoring episode, oh my gosh, just the weird shit that they were giving these kids and they were all dying. And now, you know, night and day difference. Yeah, that's fair. So he stopped eating what she was making. And soon after, Charlie and Nanny divorced and he moved out with their eldest daughter, Melvina, again great name. Nanny was left with their newborn daughter, Florine. All I kept thinking when I was reading her daughter's name was Fluoride. Mm -hmm. I also did the same thing. But Florine. Some sources report that Charlie ended their marriage because he was scared of Nanny, which like fair. 
So Charlie did return in late 1928 with a new girlfriend. And what he ended up doing was leaving Melvina with Florina and Nanny. And then the three of them went to live with Nanny's parents. Nanny then worked at a cotton mill so she could support her family. And if you're feeling a little bit feisty about Charlie right now, just like push it down because we're going to get to something where you're like, okay, okay, I don't dislike you as much. I mean, I'm still not happy that you like left the children with her. Yeah, still not happy. But okay, you stepped up for this. So let's get into her second marriage. Nanny met Robert Franklin, Frank Harrelson from Jacksonville, Florida, from the Lonely Hearts column. And this was basically kind of like a classifieds ad in there. And that's one of the reasons why she's called the Lonely Hearts Killer is because you're going to notice a pattern. (laughs) Her and that Lonely Hearts column. Yeah. (laughs) Like Craigslist, but old school. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, more like misconnections. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I love reading misconnections. What a fucking wild ride. But so Frank wrote Nanny love letters and poetry. And in return, she sent him risque letters and i even saw where she sent him a photo which i don't know if that's true or not but he was like here's poetry and she's like what it do like let's go and he was like hell fucking yeah and so they got married on october 22nd of 1929 so most sources don't talk about florine after she marries frank like you don't hear about her again and one of the sources that i saw said that soon after she married frank They just abandoned Florine and she was just two years old. That's so sad. And that neighbors got a hold of Charlie and that he came and got her. So remember, I said that you'd maybe like him a little bit more. And then Florine didn't see her mother again for nine years. That's so sad. Like a poor two year old. And then he's like, I guess I'll pick this up. Right. It's better than being with Nanny. Well, yeah. Yeah. So her second husband, Frank, was an alcoholic who was physically, emotionally and possibly sexually abusive. And they were married from 1929 to 1945. So it's a while. Some other things happened during this time when they were married that aren't really related to their marriage. Just a similar. It's just in the kind of the timeline. It's believed that Nanny killed two of her daughter Melvina's children. Her granddaughter, who was very young, died in her arms. Some sources say that she was just hours old. Others say that it was like she was a day or two old because Melvina was still in the hospital and that's where she was visiting her. Melvina, who was coming off of drugs after giving birth, remembered seeing her mother stab the baby in the head with a hairpin. And she told other family members about it, but no one did anything. Terrific. You would think that, like, you could check for that. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know whether she believed it herself. So six months later, Melvina lets Nanny, her mom, watch her remaining child, Robert. And he was two years old at this point. And he died of asphyxiation. So sad. Later, we find out that Nanny had taken out a $500 life insurance policy out on Robert. Of course she did. Yeah. So now let's talk a little bit about Frank. Frank died on September 15th of 1945 after Nanny poisoned his moonshine with rat poison. Oh, no. All right. So first off, that's that's really bad, obviously. I've been to Home Depot a lot this last week because we're building a pool. We've walked past the rat poison several times. And every single time, it stresses me out that people can just buy it and that they like openly use it. Because I keep seeing all these crazy posts about the kids getting into it, the dogs getting into it, animals that aren't supposed to be in it getting into it. Like it's, it's so bad. I just can't comprehend why we still sell it. Also, rat poison in and of itself is pretty fucking gruesome. 
It is. Even if you're like just trying to kill rats, it's not a kind death. It's a pretty fucking horrific death. It's not. No, those and glue traps just piss me off. When I see them, like even like uh, public places, I pick them up and throw them away. Like I check for something and then I just throw them away. Oh, I've definitely done that. Normally what they're catching is like poor little lizards that are killing bugs that you don't want in your establishment. Or it is getting like a little snake or a little... I've seen bunnies get stuck to them. They can't get themselves off once they're on it. No. It's just, it's a fucking cruel death. It's unnecessary. And the other thing is like, it's not as though there's like a poison mixed with that adhesive. They're simply starving to death. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. Well, that was a tangent. So people thought that Frank had died again from food poisoning, not rat poison. We've seen conflicting stories that either Nanny used his life insurance payout to either buy land in Jacksonville, Florida, or that she fled to North Carolina. It's also important to note, too, we're talking about her moving to different states. So these people who are dying of food poisoning in close proximity to her, it's not like she's like living in one town and she's like, my children, my second husband, next person. She's spread out. Right. Yeah. And she's moving away. It's far away, especially for that time. Like, it's not like you're going to go visit there frequently and see her. It's it's pretty far away. Mm-hmm. I feel like she was like pulling like a Lori Vallow there, you know, like just moving away, hoping no one understands or notices. So let's talk about her third marriage. Next, Nanny married Arlie Lanning, who was from Lexington, North Carolina. They also had met in a Lonely Hearts column. They had only known each other for two days when they got married. I think as a human, she seems like a cute gal, right? But you don't look at her and go like, oh my God, she is breathtaking. She's just an average looking woman, I think. And so she reminds me of Phyllis from The Office. Like this could have been Phyllis's mom. But like, she wasn't this drop dead gorgeous model of a person. And not that you have to be that level of beauty to marry three times. It's just like, she's getting these men to marry her after like six seconds. Yeah. And that seems wild to me. Yeah, it is. So after they got married, she became very active in the church and people felt bad for her because it was well known that Arlie was cheating on her with sex workers. Arlie endured several days of dizziness and vomiting along with other symptoms after eating a meal that Nanny had prepared for him. Sounds like it's happening again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Arlie had a history of drinking, so his cause of death was listed as a heart attack from his drinking. Nanny told people that he had been fine before eating breakfast that she had prepared, but nonetheless, people didn't suspect her for any wrongdoing, which is like really wild that she'd even give that away. Like, wouldn't it have been easier to be like, yeah, he hadn't actually been feeling well. He was sick. It feels real fucking bold. I don't know if she was just trying to play with it at that point, you know, like, is anyone going to notice? Yeah. Anyways, after his death, Nanny found out that the house that they had lived in was to be passed on to Arlie's sister. So she left town. She allegedly set fire to the house before she left town. And she went to go stay with Arlie's mother. Which is very weird. The insurance checks for the house were sent to Arlie's mother's house. Which explains why she went there. Because she's like, I'm waiting for this check. Well, yeah, I mean, for her, but like for every everyone on the outside, not knowing what's going on, it's kind of weird. She lived a town over, so she's likely the closest person that she knows. It's a relative-ish. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It's just kind of bold, like you killed, you know. Oh, again, again, she's real bold. <laughs> so 
after the check arrived, Arlie's mother unexpectedly died, if you can guess it. And Nanny illegally cashed the insurance check. Nanny supposedly visited two of her sisters who died shortly after her visit as well. That's a lot happening in a short period of time, right? How do you keep track of all that? She's busy. So in the early 1950s, Nanny joined the Diamond Circle Club, which was a correspondence-based dating service that cost $15, which would today be $189.29. And it kind of feels like an old-timey Tinder. (laughs) It really does. Uh, And through that, she met Richard Morton of Emporia, Kansas. And he was a little bit different than the other men that she had married. And I wonder if part of that is because it was the subscription-based service. So you weren't just sending in an ad to a random magazine or newspaper. You had to pay to be a part of this. Right. I would have liked to assume that if I was a person who was a part of that club, that they were doing some type of vetting to make sure murderers weren't being let in. But okay. So Richard had been a salesman, but he was retired when they met, and he was considered pretty well off. We've seen sources that range from that he treated her extremely well to he was known to cheat on her. Either way, about two months into their marriage, Nanny began looking at the personal ads in the local newspaper for her next marriage. You can't do that while you're still married. I mean, she can. I also think that that was like a way for her to like kind of escape in her mind. She would fantasize about her life with like someone else. Yeah, but again, it's just for this case, I just feel like it's showing so much boldness of like, I'm going to get away with it. Yes. Yes. So in January of 1953, Nanny's mother, Lou, came to live with them. Some sources say that she lived with them because her husband, Jim, who was Nanny's father, had died. And others say that she had a hip injury. Again, either way, a few days after she moved in, she began to complain of intestinal pain, and then she died. Richard died under what was described as suspicious circumstances, but later, Nanny confessed to killing him by poisoning his coffee with rat poison. Ugh, that stresses me out. It's not even like she's changing it up. She's just doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. So what do you think she does after this? She gets married again. This is her fifth marriage, by the way, and that's to Samuel Doss from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And like her other husbands, he wasn't unfaithful, abusive, or an alcoholic. He was, however, extremely uptight and very, very serious. He was also very frugal with his time and his money. He did, however, tell her that she could only watch TV or read magazines if they were educational. Disrespect. Right? No, what's the point? To escape. (laughs) So Nanny left Oklahoma to go live in Alabama, but Samuel begged her to return. He convinced Nanny to come back by saying that he would loosen up on the money, add her to the bank account, and that he would take out two life insurance policies on himself with her as the beneficiary. How is that like a come back to me? (laughs) That's a red flag, Samuel. (laughs) I will only come back if you take out life insurance policies and put me as the beneficiary. Why, Nanny? Why? Why does that need to happen? That's so weird. I understood the bank account part. I understood the like, perhaps let me watch whatever the fuck I want to watch. But the insurance policies? Suspicious. Right? So suspicious. So then, after... Samuel spent a month in the hospital after eating prune cake that was laced with poison. Prune cake just sounds so awful. Prunes are delicious. I want like a chocolate cake. Or, like I posted, 
the s'mores cake. Not prune cake. Beautiful. I mean, I'm not saying it's my first choice, but... Sounds like you are. Can you tell me the ingredients in a prune cake, Lindsay? <laughs> I would imagine that in prune cake, there is um, prunes, eggs, sugar, flour, rat poison, baking soda. I don't know what the fuck goes in cake, clearly. That has to be it. So after he spent the month in the hospital, he returned home. And Nanny killed him by poisoning his coffee. So all of that healing just to be killed right when he got back. Yeah. I wonder, too, if after a while she started to get better about masking the taste of the rat poison. Because, of course, like, what does rat poison taste like? I've seen that it tastes slightly sweet to bitter. Well, in a yeah, in a coffee, then I feel like it would blend right in. Yeah, it's, it's all those things, depending on how you take it. So fucked up. Well, Samuel's doctor wasn't having it. He was very suspicious of Nanny, but he didn't have any proof of the crime. So what he did is he convinced her that she should let him perform an autopsy on the body. She, for some reason, agreed. And he found out that Samuel had a lethal dose of arsenic in his body. What's really interesting is one of the ways in which he like kind of convinced her to do it was that, so presumably, right, she has all of these people around her dying of food poisoning. And he says... Look, we need to learn more about what's killing people. I want to save people in the community if there's a type of food poisoning that's going around. Maybe I can learn something from his body. And so she's in this position where I don't think she can really say no. Well played, doctor. Well played. I'm I'm still surprised, though, that she let him do it, even still. Yeah. Again, this kind of reminds me of Lori Vallow, though, like how she's like, I'm going to get away with it. It's going to be fine. Autopsy or no autopsy. I'm fine. Well, Nanny was not fine, as, you know, Lori's story progressed as well. Nanny was arrested in 1954 and ultimately confessed to murdering four out of her five husbands. Apparently, she kind of ignored law enforcement and kept reading the magazine that she had while they were questioning her. She's just like, this is more interesting. It's not educational. When they took it away from her, she started talking, but also like flirting with them and smiling. And that's actually what we're using for our cover art this week. Because it's just kind of chilling, right? Yeah. She refused to confess to the murders unless they promised to give her magazine back. The easiest confession they'll ever get. Right. Well, I feel like she's just like, well, I'm caught. Like, unless, at least let me enjoy the little bit of, you know, whatever time I have left. So she was given the moniker of Giggling Granny because she would laugh when she told the stories of killing her husbands. Oh, yeah. Her face, though, just like when you, you'll see the pictures, but ugh. She looks joyful. You would not know that she was being interrogated from the photo because she just looks so, like, genuinely joyful. Yeah, she's just having a great day. Per nanny, she wasn't killing her husbands for money. She said, quote, I was searching for the perfect mate. The real romance in life didn't happen, I guess. Specifically, when discussing Samuel's murder, she said that she murdered him because he wouldn't let her watch the TV show that she wanted to. And he wouldn't turn the fan on when it got hot. So some sources say that she also attributed the murders to the head injury that she had sustained as a child. She has a lot of excuses. She has a lot of interesting reasons. The bodies of her other victims were exhumed. And there was arsenic found in the remains of her mother, as well as Richard, Arlie, and Frank. And then the rest of the remains that they looked at, it was concluded that they had been smothered. Oh, a little different. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement thinks she may have killed up to 12 people. 
she was deemed sane to stand trial, and she was convicted of the murder of Samuel, because that was the only one that she was tried for. Yeah. And she spent the rest of her life in prison, but originally she was sentenced to death by the electric chair. But this would have made her the first woman to be executed in Oklahoma. And the judge ended up declaring her insane to spare her from the death penalty. That's wild. Interesting. So sources say that she seemed happy to be sentenced to life in prison at first, but then within two years, she wished she had been sentenced to death. And one of the reasons that she was frustrated with prison was that they would only let her work in the laundry. And surprisingly, they wouldn't let her help in the kitchen. They probably wouldn't turn the fan on or let her watch her shows either. Yeah, but like, of course they aren't letting her in the fucking kitchen. She's sneaking rat poison into anything edible. Like, right? She's like, why won't they let me? I would imagine that in a prison, there's probably rat poison because there are rats. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) this was in Oklahoma, but she was also charged for murder in North Carolina, Kansas and Alabama, but they never went to trial. So Nanny confessed to murdering her husbands, but she never admitted to murdering her mother, children, or grandchildren. She died in the Oklahoma State Penitentiary in 1965 from leukemia. And it was actually, I believe, like 10 years like to the date to when she was convicted, I believe, or pretty close to it. I mean, at least she was in there for a while, right? You know, some of them are like, oh, yeah, yeah. They go to prison really late in life, and they're only there for a year or two before they die for whatever reason. Yeah, But, like, she spent some years there. Yeah, she spent enough time to become unhappy. Yes. And that's what we want. Exactly. Yeah. I'm interested to see if other people had heard of her, because I hadn't. Mm -mm. I've heard of a lot of different poisoners, but not her. No, and I feel like I've seen her picture before, but it doesn't stand out. Not in, like, any sort of bad way. It's just, like, she would blend into a crowd so easily. And so when you see her, you're like, oh, this is just, like, an old-timey grandma, right? Just happy as could be yeah she's unassuming exactly mm-hmm. yeah so let us know if you've heard of the story if you've seen her before what you think about it we have a couple things coming up we have our third anniversary so you know for the past two years we've done listener stories so if you have something that you'd love to share with us head over to our website truecreeps.com you could submit anything spooky creepy interesting whatever you want weird history that you found out but you can either submit it in written form or we would love to hear your beautiful voice. So if you record it and email it to us, we will include it in our third anniversary. If you mess up during a recording, don't worry. We are happy to help edit. So just say something like, oh, I messed up. Let me say that again and we'll take it all out. Yeah, we'll keep saying it every time we do it. But we generally don't say things correct on the first take. So there's literally zero judgment here. <laughs> yes, yes. We also have, of course, our Patreon and our merch also available on our website. We have tiers starting as low as a dollar, and we have a Patreon-only Discord. We have stickers and shirts and all kinds of goodies that you can get, even some jam from our jam cats. So lots of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh, I think it's been too long since we talked about jam cats. Yeah, you need to work that into something soon. (laughs) Yeah. We'll need to discuss some like heavy legal stuff. So we have a reason to talk about jam cats. That's true. That's true. And if you have a case or a story that you want us to cover, same thing, head to our website. We have a whole area where you can submit your case. Yeah. We'll also have it in the show notes for you too. Mm -hmm. And with that, have a great weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Lady Bluebeard. Bluebeard. I had to make Loki a toy so he'd stop. He's like in it for Ollie. All of Ollie's like little artwork and stuff that he's made. 
Loki's like, well, today's the day it needs to die. And he's like, that's my mother. My mother made me these. Give me. Give me my mother's items. <laughs> that's true. Oh, you heard him say, I'm his mother. Yes, several times. Several times. That's why I'm like, he's his mother. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's very important to him. If I haven't brought it up, my son has a cat that he chose. It's his cat. The cat prefers him over everyone in the world. And when he was, I think, like three when we got him, he would go, I'm his mom and like carry him around. And so it's just like a running joke. But the cat is being insane as I'm trying to record. He needs his mother. Who <laughs> <laughs> is not you. It is not me. You his grandmama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That he tolerates. He has like glitter on his back right now. He's just sitting there getting a little piece of paper right now. So I'm trying to think. Uh, segue. Okay. Uh, look, if you've listened to us for a long time, then you've heard the Leonardo Chanchuli episode where we talk about tea cakes and the lead up to the episode where Amanda kept explaining to me that they sounded like they were cookies. And then I acted shocked when I, when somebody said that they were cookies. <laughs> no, I love it when she looks at a recipe and she's like, okay, that's it. Those are, that's a cake. That's a tea cake, not a cookie. That's the one. <laughs> Maybe she's getting all of her recipes off of the back of a can of rat poison. I mean, uh, apparently, yeah. Because you know how they have like, on the back of the bag of chocolate chips, there's like chocolate chip cookie recipes. It's like, you can bake this into this. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. She's like, let me just, she's like, give me this magazine back and like, do one of you want to be number six, wink? Like, yeah, this has some great recipes in it. Thanks for listening. And as always, a special thank you to our patrons who support us via Patreon. Please see the link in our show notes to learn more about how you, yes, you, can begin to haunt the dump guard vortexes, or even become a scorching Sasquatch. Ooh. Also in our show notes, you can find the link to our website, more information on our sources, our social media handles, and our merch store. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps and or ghosts. I beg of you. 